Hello, and welcome to the sixth episode of the Raspberry Pi Pod podcast, and the first for 2017. I hope everyone had a lovely Christmas and New Year. Apologies for the rather lengthy gap after the last episode. Obviously, there was Christmas, New Year, and lots of family stuff, but I've also started rehearsals on a mu- for a new musical, and that takes up quite a lot of my time. Between that, work, pie wars, and of course church, I'm struggling to fit in time to put this together, but I will carry on trying to do monthly broadcasts from now on. We'll have some news first of all before we look at some products and some projects. As usual, if I mention something in the podcast, I'll add a link to it on a post on my blog. Let's start off with the news. The folks over at Raspberry Pi have announced that Pixel slash Raspbian is now available for x86 machines. This means that you can now run the new desktop environment on a regular PC or Mac. You can download it from the Raspberry Pi website as a live booting ISO image, and it can be found on the DVD on front of the latest issue of the Magpie. The only things it doesn't contain are Mathematica and Minecraft Pi Edition, and that's because of the licensing model that they have to use it on the regular Raspbian. Next up, the Magpie has published a comprehensive review of Media Center operating system LibreELEC. They compare it to other OSs like OpenELEC and OSMC and find that it comes up trumps in terms of speed and ease of use. You can find the full review by following the link in the notes. And finally, the Foundation has announced their new digital making curriculum. Defined in five disciplines and four skill levels for each discipline, they hope that it would enable educators and individuals to learn how to do digital making the Raspberry Pi way. In my opinion, it has a little way to go in terms of specifying exactly how each skill level can be achieved, but it is a very good start and will hopefully appeal to both individual learners and teachers. That's it for the news. On to some product-related information. In a previous podcast, I reported on the release of the Just Boom range of audio boards. I'm pleased to say that Aaron came through with the sample boards and I've had a chance to play with the top-of-the-range one, the Amp Hat. I bought myself some decent, though comparatively inexpensive, speakers and hooked everything up. I played some of my favourite music and was really impressed with the results. There's still some work to do on the documentation for the product, but it is being actively worked on, and the boards are well worth a look. You can read the full review on my blog. Also, Alex Eames over at Raspi.tv has recently carried out a comparison of the Just Boom boards against others from IQ Audio and Hi-Fi Berry. That's well worth a read too. Pimeroni have announced a new hat for the Raspberry Pi and a new operating system to go along with it. The hat is called the Rainbow Hat and the operating system is Android Things. Android Things is a new image available for the Raspberry Pi that will enable you to use the Android SDK to develop apps on the Pi. Now, I haven't read the simply acres of documentation, but I think it works a bit like Windows IoT. In other words, it's a non-GUI operating system that lets you push code to the Pi and then it runs and feeds the information back by way of an API, I think. If someone wants to tell me otherwise, you know where to find me. The Rainbow Hat itself has a lovely load of features. It has seven APA-102 multicolored LEDs, those are the really bright ones that are like NeoPixels, four 14-segment alphanumeric displays, which are green, an HT16K33 display driver chip, three capacitive touch buttons, an Atmel capacitive touch driver chip, blue, green and red LEDs, a BMP280 temperature and pressure sensor, a piezo buzzer, and breakout pins for Servo, I2C, SPI and UART, which are all 3V3. 
Pimeroni have come up with several suggestions for what it could be used for, but probably the number one thing people will use it for is as a simple weather station with that BMP chip on board. Fortunately, Pimeroni have been very sensible and also developed a Python library for the board, allowing those using Raspbian to fully explore the capabilities of the board. You can buy the hat on its own or as part of a kit from the Pimeroni store, and all the instructions are linked from their product page. If you're scared to solder, or don't want to go to the expense of buying an iron, there are a few things that you just can't do with the Raspberry Pi. It's true that many add-on boards come with their GPIO headers fitted, but some, like the Pi Zero and FATS, need them soldering on. Well, Pimeroni to the rescue. They developed GPIO hammer headers. You take the header, press it into the relevant holes, put a plastic jig around it, and then hit it with a hammer. The headers have special little nubbins that go through the holes and then grip the back side of them. I think it's ingenious, although it has come under criticism for making soldering, which I think is an essential skill, unnecessary. It's up to you, really, to vote with your wallet. You can buy the headers for a few pounds on the Pimeroni website, and the jig is an extra few pounds. The Pie Hut has announced a retro gaming bundle that is ideal for those looking to get into the world of playing retro games on the Raspberry Pi. The bundle, which retails for £60, includes a Raspberry Pi 3, two Pi Hut USB SNES-style gamepad controllers, a blank 16GB SanDisk Class 10 microSD card, a microSD to USB adapter, an official Raspberry Pi PSU, a black Raspberry Pi 3 case and a 2 meter HDMI cable. It doesn't come with the RetroPie operating system that I suggest you put onto the SD card for reasons of licensing. The whole kit comes to £60, which I think is very good for what you get. It's certainly cheaper than buying all the parts individually. Something else from the Pi Hut, which I think is pretty exciting. They just started to stock the NatureBytes Pi-powered nature camera. It comes as a kit that requires some assembly, but this is well in the capabilities of non-technical people. I bought my in-laws a kit for Christmas and they had it up and running within a day and a half and loved the results. The kit comes with everything you need. A weatherproof case, an electronic assembly holder compatible with all Raspberry Pi models, a nylon attachment strap so you can tie the whole thing to a tree or a post, a Raspberry Pi A+, a Raspberry Pi version 2 camera module, PIR sensor, jumper wires, a Lion battery which is 8800 mAh, a seed lipo rider which lets you power the Pi and everything else from the Lion battery, an SD card which is 8GB, a USB flash drive of, which is 4GB for storing all your pictures on, a real-time clock and a USB cable. The battery is enough to run the camera for 3-4 to four days courtesy of the A-plus's relatively low power requirements. All in all, it's a great quality package that easily competes with other solutions out there. The case in particular is fantastic and very solid. Highly recommended. The kit costs £130 from the Pi Hut. This might seem a bit expensive, but you get a lot with it and it makes a great gift and delivers the results you want it to. It's roughly the same price as some of the high-end kits that are already out there that don't use the Pi, and of course this one's got the flexibility of the Pi, so it's not a bad deal. Lastly, I'd like to introduce you to the Ryantech RTK.GPIO add-on board. It connects to your computer via USB and lets you play around with and develop with physical computing. It's compatible with PCs, Macs, other Linux boxes and of course the Raspberry Pi. 
There's a Python library for it, which mimics very closely the RPI.GPIO library that's being used extensively on the Raspberry Pi. It has a 40-pin header that is compatible with most Pi hats and other add-on boards, but lets you use them away from a Pi if you don't happen to have one. It also allows you to use multiple add-on boards at the same time. With enough power and USB ports, you can apparently run up to 127 of them at the same time. Ryan's worked really hard on this bit of kit, and it's certainly worth taking a look at. It's only £12 from the Ryan Tech store on pre-sale, and will be available from the start of February. On to crowdfunding. There's only really one campaign at the moment that's running that I think is worth taking a look at. It's called the Smart Plant Pie, or Smart Plant for short. It's an introductory, easy-to-use and build Raspberry Pi-based environmental monitoring and plant watering system, using advanced sensors to monitor the soil moisture, monitor sunlight, watch air quality, and monitor temperature and humidity. It's designed to be easily put together, with no soldering required, and all the source code is available online. It's got lots of educational goals, and uses the Grove IoT prototyping system. It's well worth looking at, especially for schools who want to do something practical and cross-curriculum. It fuses biology, by looking at how plants grow, with computing. If you'd like to take a look at the campaign, then take a look at the link in my blog. On to events. Tickets for the 5th Raspberry Pi Big Birthday Weekend are now available. They are free for under-16s, and only £5 per day for everyone else. They're available from the Cambridge Junction website, and there's a link to it in the blog notes. In terms of Raspberry Jams, next up on the 28th of January, we have the brilliant Cotswold Raspberry Jam at the University of Gloucestershire in Cheltenham. Also on the 28th is a Raspberry Jam at BET 2017 at the XL in London. And there is a Raspberry Jam and RetroPie at the RHS Fabrication Lab at Raritan High School in Hazlitt. On the 1st of February, there's a Leeds Raspberry Jam. And on the 2nd of February, there's the long-running Twickenham Coding Evening. On the 11th of February, there's a Raspberry Jam in Toronto one in Blackpool, an East London Raspberry Jam at Barking, a Manchester Raspberry Jam at The Shed, and a Raspberry Jam at Pi Towers in Cambridge on the 11th of February. Now let's look at some projects. My good friend, James Mitchell, over at Raspberry Jam Berlin, has been trying for the past two years to get a time-lapse recording of a Ferris wheel being constructed outside his office. Well, he's finally managed it. He's blogged about his trials and tribulations with the project, and covered things like defeating reflections and flipping the image to the right orientation, and you can read all about it and see the time-lapse itself on his blog. South African music group Battle Earths decided that simply purchasing their latest album from iTunes was too easy. So they took a Raspberry Pi, uploaded their album to it, and set it to transfer the files to a USB stick when a secret whistle was heard. They embedded the Pi inside a semi-transparent fake rock shield and placed the package that they've called the Nest, wait for it, partway down Table Mountain in Cape Town. If you forget your USB stick, you can also plug directly into the Pi and listen via the exposed headphone jack. Unfortunately, some little oik has decided that they would vandalise it so it no longer works. What a shame that people decide to do that kind of thing. This next one gets an award for just being damn creepy. David Bowen, who is an Associate Professor of Sculpture and Physical Computing at the University of Minnesota Duluth, has created a project called Fly AI. In this artificial intelligence experiment, Bowen has established a fly colony inside a transparent globe and is using a piece of learning software called TensorFlow. The Raspberry Pi captures images of the fly environment 
and then processes it through image recognition libraries and TensorFlow to determine if a fly was present in the photograph. If the fly is determined as being present, a pump delivers water and nutrients to the colony. If the fly is definitely not there, no nutrients are delivered. The system will run indefinitely, or until the flies are dead, just to see what happens. You can read more about the system on Bowen's blog, and there's a video too. John Cooper from York Hackspace has created a tabletop Tetris game for their space. It uses a Raspberry Pi 2 to control strips of NeoPixel-like LEDs, which sit in little foam cube holes beneath the translucent tabletop surface. It's low resolution, of course, but it is frankly beautiful, and it's not limited to just playing Tetris either. A version of Snake is planned, and the system is capable of two-player action too. John Cooper welcomes your pull requests on GitHub if you have any game ideas. In NASA's ISS update report from 19th of December, I spotted something interesting. Australia has launched their first payload to the International Space Station. On board is a project called Cube Rider, which appears to be a Raspberry Pi Model A Plus attached to a sensor board with a non-official camera module. I dare say the actual package is more complicated than that, the ISS specifications being very strict to say the least, but I can't find too much information on it. Here's what the NASA report says about Cube Rider. Cube Rider is an Australian educational module utilising a Raspberry Pi, internal camera, sensors that monitor internal environment variables, some radiation, ISS dynamics and movement, and runs computer code written by 9th and 10th graders. It appears from the report that the project isn't entirely working at the moment, but I'm sure they'll iron the few kinks out. You can read more about Cube Rider on their website. Just that one other dude building on work from antimatter, has created a lovely wooden jukebox with a Raspberry Pi at the centre. There are five knobs controlling playlists and volume, and the Pi itself is running the Volumio operating system. There are runner LEDs in the groove around the edge for extra blinkiness, a bit like the slice, and you can see a build log of the project. He's also uploaded his code, which combines Volumio, Spotify and Dotstar software for the blinkies. Konstantin Slatev, Kostadin Ilov and Vilina Rusuve have taken a disabled shotgun and some salvaged industrial components and created a musical instrument. Called The Last Gun, it's controlled by a Raspberry Pi and an Arduino and uses compressed air to play different tunes through the barrel of a gun. Determining what is played is done based on the graph of US arms exports from the 1960s to 2010. If the amount of export rises, the tune becomes more sombre. If the exports fall, a more upbeat tune is played. You can see more pictures in a video on Constantine's blog. Ninja Bunny 9000 has created a life-size replica of BMO from Adventure Time. The case is 3D printed, and the buttons on the front are routed via the innards of a generic SNES controller. The battery can last for around 24 hours, and he's added a wireless games controller as well for the full range of controls. The software side is RetroPie, as usual, and is displayed on an 8-inch screen in the place you'd expect it to for BMO. You can see more build photos on his Imager page. In a nice 3D printable project, F. Gebhardt has used a Raspberry Pi Zero, some prototyping board, an alphanumeric display and an amplifier and a 3D printed enclosure to build a smart alarm clock. It has a text-to-speech synthesizer, three ways of playing a wake-up sound, 
It enables you to set the alarm via a smartphone or any other computer. It runs an Apache 2 server, has automatic display brightness adjustment, an audio amplifier volume control, a built-in tactile switch, an alphanumeric display showing text, and a 3-watt speaker which definitely wakes you up in the morning. You can find the files for the 3D printing online and all the codes available. There's an instructable on how it all fits together too, as well as an assembly and demo video. Mark West, a Brit now living in Norway, was convinced that he had some unwanted visitors in his garden. So he decided to press into action a Raspberry Pi Zero as a security camera solution. He shopped at the Pi Hut and got hold of the Zero, the Pi Noir camera and a Zero View sucker mounting plate, together with some other components from various places. He then wrote Raspbian onto his SD card and installed popular imaging solution Motion. He's documented the entire process, which is great because it's something I really wanted to do, and it's all in his blog for you to read. A couple of Harry Potter themed projects now. P.A. Rulands Jr. visited the Wizarding World of Harry Potter and brought back loads of video footage. He wanted to do something special with the footage, so he designed a copy of the Wizarding World's Daily Prophet to be framed. Behind the frame, he mounted a Raspberry Pi official touchscreen and cut a hole in the printed newspaper the exact size of the screen. A bit of scripting and the use of a PIR sensor to detect movement triggers the playing of the video footage. Rather neatly, the frame backs onto a cupboard into which he placed the power supply and drilled a hole to connect up the Raspberry Pi and screen. No untidy wires. Frankly, the whole thing looks completely seamless and totally cool. I want one. See it in action on YouTube by following the link in the blog post. Sean O'Brien from Make has taken a Raspberry Pi and a particle internet button and embedded them inside a lamp base. Also used is a Noir camera module and an infrared LED which detects the movement of a point of reflectiveness. In this case it's the end of a Harry Potter interactive wand. You don't even have to have the official wand, although it's a lot more fun if you do, obviously. Anything with a flat sequin on the end will do. Neopixels on the particle button are used for illumination and some fancy frosting effects for the lamp class to complete the device. You can read all about the build called Raspberry Potter over at Make, and there's even a Raspberry Potter website, all the codes available on GitHub. This next project wins the award for most useful project. A team from Villanova University, Philadelphia, comprised of four faculty and more than 25 students, has developed a Bomb Squad robot. The robot is intended to be used in developing countries to deal with explosive devices and uses a Raspberry Pi and an Arduino together. The boards, together with plenty of other hardware, drive four wheels, a robot arm and a water cannon that can be used to detach a fuse from the explosives on a device. The whole robot is expected to come in at around $10,000, which is a fraction of the cost of commercial products, generally costing between fifty to 100000 it's taken them just over three years to get to this point, and that's included a field test in Cambodia. When starting out, they had four primary objectives, which they've been able to satisfy. The model is made from low-cost computer hardware. It can be assembled in-country and repaired locally. It fits into a suitcase so that it can be taken on a plane and deployed to different locations. And the robot control interface has been designed for intuitive operation to enable users with limited training. They're now seeking donors to bring the project to market. There's a lot more information on the blog post. Top project for this podcast, although simple, has to be this one. 
Andre Chilikin has come up with a way of automating the tea brewing process by pressing into action an old CD slash DVD drive and a Raspberry Pi. He's used GPIO to trigger the motor on the drive and present a text-based interface for status messages. He's released the code and the schematic should you wish to replicate this brewing sensation which uses the opening and closing CD drive tray to dunk a tea bag into some hot water. I think it's a great one just because it's so simple. That's it for this episode. I'm hoping it will be once a month from now on, but I want to make sure that I've got time to help Tim with Pi Wars course building and also have time to work on my own projects in addition to doing the podcast. And so from me, Michael Horn, good night.